Hey, welcome back to another podcast from Dream Chasers. Uh, today, I'm very excited to have this guest on. Um, uh, she's a coach at Wright State, uh, former Indiana All-Star. Um, her family is rich in the basketball tradition, basketball community. Um, dad's been one of the, uh, I, I would say, one of the pioneers in girls' basketball. They have touched so many different lives um, through township basketball, through IPS basketball. Um, they've always been kind of invested in the community. Also done a lot uh, with, with all girls' basketball. Um, Kevin Merriweather's her dad. Uh, this is one of the Indiana uh, great um, uh, head coach from Wright State, Katrina Merriweather. How you doing? I'm doing great. That introduction was amazing. Thank oh, you. Come on. Oh, come on. We love, we love you. I mean, we, we're trying to get dad on the podcast soon, but we definitely love and appreciate everything that you guys have done and that you continue to do to mold these, uh, these young women, um, of our, of our, uh, society. So, well, um, thank you. We want to commend y'all for that. And we, we hope that y'all continue to keep that work going for us. Well, thank you. It's, uh, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's been 30 years um, since we were the Bedford Riverside Pistons playing in t-shirts with iron-ons and, uh, <laughs> and after a couple tournaments, they were falling off and right. it's uh, been a really unique story and, and been really cool. Uh, the journey of having big sisters and little sisters and, right. and just so many people coming in and out of the doors of whatever family center uh, daddy was sitting in at the time and right. have really met some amazing people along the way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I said, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I met your dad in high school and my <laughs> wife was, uh, uh -oh. my wife played basketball then. And, uh, you know, I kept hearing about this guy, Kevin Merriweather, Kevin Mer Merriweather. And I didn't know who he was. And I think he ended up coming to a North Central game and we talked afterwards. And I mean, you know, this guy brings out all the jokes. So, you know, if you, <laughs> he, was, he was making fun of how I ran. And I'm like, man, I just had a good game. And he was like, man, you run like this. And, and I mean, from there on, we always had been, I had such a, such a uh, admiration and respect for him. And then, like I said, I, I heard about you, you know, I, I, I heard about your sister. I'm like, man, this, this family really got their head on straight. So like I said, uh, definitely for me, uh, I'm, I'm very honored to have you on. So, um, Tell me, tell me about the beginning. Uh, what was it like growing up in your household? I know y'all are rich in the basketball tradition. Um, what was it like um, you growing up and, and playing sports? Well, I didn't touch a basketball until I was 10 years old. Hmm. Um, my great-grandmother, who I call Nana, okay. um, she would not have had it. Um, I was wearing dresses with the little lacy socks and the patent leather shoes. Right. And, yeah. And, and I was her baby and she was my favorite person in the world. And I'd never wanted to leave her. Um, right. she passed away at nine and oh, wow. I then hit about fifth grade. So I was probably what is that? 10. Mm -hmm. And, um, my gym teacher, okay. Miss Bishop, who was also an AK, which we'll get into a little later. Okay puts this ball in my hand and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And I finished second in a free throw contest. Wow. So I, at that point, like any other kid, you do something that, that feels good and you're pretty good at it. Well, you want to keep going. Right, so sure. daddy at the time, my grandfather uh, was an agent mm -hmm. and he was in Phoenix, Arizona with William Bedford uh, and the Phoenix Suns, right. uh, which is why Charles Barkley was one of my favorite players growing up. 
Right. And uh, I signed him up to be my coach at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. Okay. <laughs> and I told him when he had come in town, I was like, right. uh, I signed you up to be my coach. And he said, you play basketball? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, play is probably an, an overstatement at that point for sure, because I wasn't as good. I right. could just shoot straight. And I was right. kind of big and kind of tall okay. uh, for my age. Now, I have not grown but one inch uh, since I was 12. Right. Uh, but, but, but I was big. I was big early on. And it honestly started there. Uh, played against Reg and Stewart in uh, elementary school and at Tab. Right. And then my dad and her dad got together figured mm -hmm. that we were stronger together than we were apart. Right. Uh, and then that was the early beginnings of, of the family, but we were not the family at the time. That, right. that happened a couple of years later. So right. that's how we started playing. And growing up in the household at that point where he started to coach me, 13, he goes, right. you either want to play or you don't. Right. right. And in my mind, I was like, well, I mean, I kind of want to play. I, I mean, I, oh, sure. Right. Well, I didn't really know what that meant. That meant, you are going to be the best player that you can be. Right. And that, that meant jumping over trash cans, on stages, backwards, all, all kind of stuff. This man in a gym uses more props right. uh, than anybody I've ever seen. And so at, at that point, um, he's training me. Then some really, really great players come along, uh, Kia being one of them, um, and Shira Eli, Jackie Baptiste, Ashley Allen. All of a sudden, we're just surrounded. It right. goes from this mom and pop t-shirt type team right. to now he draws the attention of Nike and it becomes the family and you got the number one players in the country. And it just, it was a ride. Right. It, it was a ride, but uh, we separated it though. We right. really did. It, it was, he was the dad at home and he was coach, you know, in the gym. And I right. think that that's why we were able to survive it. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I mean, we'll, We'll get to the family in a little bit, but uh, the name of the family, I mean, is epic. And you feel that. I know you guys have a lot of uh, alumni games and stuff like that. And I mean, everything really seems so genuine. It seemed like, uh, you know, you guys, they did a great job at putting that thing together. What was, um, what was high school like? Um, how'd you get to Cathedral? Tell me about high school. So I went to Duet S. Morgan School 86 that is now closed in okay. elementary. And I was right next door to, to Butler okay. University, literally. Um, and it was a time when no one was really talking a whole lot about, mm -hmm. about race or, or anything like that. And, and I just remember being very diverse and, and enjoying it. And right. then when Christmas Addicts became an option with my mm -hmm. grandfather playing there and my dad graduated from there, right. that was a no brainer. Right. So I go over to Addicts in the magnet program and that was not diverse. Mm -hmm. um it was so it was it, it that was a different experience but i grew up on 38th and clifton so i grew up in the city so i've got okay. this this like this plethora of of experiences here right. and then select schools this was an, a program ips had come up with where you could pick where you wanted to go but they were going to in essence prioritize what your options were Right. Um, my dad was working at Washington High School at the time, and I, I believe he knew that it was getting to a space where they were going to close it. Okay. And and lo and behold, that's where IPS sent me was Washington High School. Okay. Um, and he did not think that was a good idea. They didn't have a magnet program. They had something called a bridge program. Right. And we had had a couple of players, uh, Kizzy Dawson, that played uh, with the family that 
went to cathedral and mm-hmm. I thought the world of her, right. uh, but I still didn't say I wanted to go Harvey. That that's, right. that's not what I said. I, I said that <laughs> you thought the world. But, of her. That yeah, <laughs> that was it. And um, you know, I think my dad and mom got together and they just made a decision and they said, right. this is what's going to be best for her. And, and I was not on board uh, completely. Um, not from a basketball standpoint, I, I loved playing there, uh, but just from you know, right. social aspect and, and being there and, um, that's how I got there. And that was not by choice. Gotcha. Gotcha. Had a, had a really good career there. Um, ended up going to university of Cincinnati, correct? I did. And that was, um, parents knew best. And then when it was my turn to make a decision about where to go to school, I flipped back to more of an addicts like setting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed my time at Cincinnati, um, had a very good college experience in terms of, um, I had the ability to play as a sorority and, and, um, play basketball at the same time and, and had a a very well-rounded experience um, while I was there. So it was, and met some of the, the people that launched my coaching career. Right. Right. What was it like? What was it like dealing with coaches from high school to college? Uh, very different. Uh, Miss Bamrick was was tough on me, but I think that every good high school player mm-hmm. um, probably gets uh, babied a little. Right. Um, in terms of she pushed me and made me work hard, mm-hmm. but there were just other people to coach. And right. so they got the brunt of her coaching right. where I think she knew that, you know, after practice, me and daddy were still going to go to the gym. Right. You know, that my commitment was never questioned. The amount of time I was going to spend on the game was never questioned. So she didn't really say a lot to me. Um, And then you get to college and nobody cares about anything you did in high school. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, In fact, you walk around Cincinnati as you're being programmed into their system and culture. Because my my coach was very, very disciplined um, and and very tough on details. Right. And again, that served me well becoming a coach. It do it playing for her, however, um, I thought she was nuts and crazy right. and bipolar and all the things that my players call me now. <laughs> um and I do understand now that it wasn't her, it was right. us that right. were driving her crazy. Uh <laughs> but right. it's um you know, it, it, that experience, it made me stronger, made me tougher. Um, again, she was, she challenged me all the time. I remember her pulling me in my freshman year and saying, you know, if you don't give me more, you can't right. stay here. And wow. I'm like, what? Like, I get good grades. <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I'm pleasant. What right. is the problem? Right. You know, but it, she just wouldn't, she wouldn't accept it. She wouldn't accept anything less than the best that I had to give. And she wasn't going to allow me to coast. And, and that was a big eye opener for me where, right. you know, just being like the nice kid that got good grades wasn't enough. Like right. you have to actually produce and come in practice and, you know, and be better than you were the day before. And it was a very valuable lesson for me. Right, right, and and I mean, you you took that more as a ch- as a challenge and not an insult. I think nowadays, a lot of parents or kids um, they go to their parents and they'll say, you know, the coach says something like that to them, and it's like almost like an insult, like, oh, well, you don't want my kid. Well, if you don't want my kid, we can just leave. But we'll talk about that. We'll we'll, okay. we'll get to that uh, okay. pretty soon. What? How how did you start your uh, coaching career? Where did you start? So definitely started with daddy um, and the family. Uh, he handed me the team with Shira Eli on it and Ashley Allen and 
uh, got a chance to coach the Sharika Webbs and right, the Amber right. Johnsons and, right. you know, and, it, and it's, it's easy to fall in love with coaching when you win all the time. For sure. Right. So it, I don't know that it had anything to do with me at the time. I probably did a, a really good job of relating to players. I've mm-hmm. always been, you know, like a player's coach. Right. Um, but it had nothing to do with like drawing up plays, you know, right. or, or any, any of that stuff. We just literally had a great time. Right. And I just remember the relationships that we built and the bond that we built. And I always wanted to make sure that I had that kind of impact on other people the way that it had on me. Right. And I'm sitting in my sophomore year in Cincinnati and they're in the uh, media guide and they say, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, you know what? I think I want to be a college coach. Wow. And that was the first time I'd ever spoken it and said it out loud. If right. So I was 19 years old and I, I adored my coaching staff at Cincinnati. And when I look back at it, I did not have one bad coach. Right. You know, they, they may have all been different. And they may have all pushed me in different ways, but they did not belittle. Um, right. They did not they curse at me. They, right. did, like, they did not treat me in a way that would make me say, I never want to play this game again. Right. And I know that that's not everybody's story. And so if I could make someone's experience or participate in their journey and their experience being positive, I thought that that would be a great way to be fulfilled, you know, past just the competitiveness of of basketball. Right. Right. Fast forward to the present. Um, Right state. How long have you been there? I am going into season 10. Hmm. So yeah, you've been, there, you've been there for ten seasons. Let's talk about last year's run. How'd that start? How'd it start off? Um, we obviously know how it how it finished. I mean, you guys made some noise down the stretch, but tell us um, how that went from start to finish, or not start yeah. to finish, but almost. Um, you know, a lot of people look at certain things in the season, and, and they might look at it and say, "Oh, well, you know, they were just good from the start, or you know, they weren't supposed to be there." Um, give us that story. Oh, it started off rocky. Okay. Um, you know, it would take my staff to explain how I was stomping around here, telling them throw the <laughs> whole season away. This is, <laughs> right. this is the worst defensive and rebounding team I have ever coached wow. in my entire life, and that includes AAU. And I was so upset because right. what we really lacked, though, was chemistry. Right. Um, I had this very dominant, uh, these, these subgroups and they weren't clicks, but right. they were this, they were subgroups on, in our team mm-hmm. where I had these very dominating seniors that had started for three and four years and it's their senior year and their program. And right. then I injected, you know, a Mikhail Miller and an Imani Partlow and right. a Angel Baker. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just a lot. Imani was a fifth year from Xavier. Okay. Uh, Mikhail was a, a Juco All-American mm-hmm. uh, and Angel's a freshman phenom. Right. So and all, I got these three transfers, you know, that and I got to figure out and I think I, I underestimated how important it was for all of them to get on the same page. Right. Um, so once I realized that it was a problem, we had to go back to the drawing board, you know, mm. so we're we're one in three. And the year before we were successful getting the ball reversed a whole lot. And I thought, you know, well, this is worse, so let's do it. And it was one of the best lessons I learned um, in terms of that this past year was saying, you got to adapt to what type of team you have. It can't be about what you want to do and what's worked in the past. It's about 
diagnosing and assessing what right. is going to work for this current team. Right. So we just said, you know what? This team needs to take a lot of shots. Right. So we sped it up. Instead of reversing the ball a lot, we took the first open shot we could get. We mm -hmm. rebounded like crazy. Right. And before you knew it, we go off to this Nashville tournament. We win three straight games. Mm -hmm. We have an all-conference, all-tournament team. Right. Um, kid and Mikkel Miller and Mackenzie Taylor gets the MVP. And mm -hmm. then at that point, we actually took off. And I right. think that they believed that we could be good. Right. And so it wasn't anything that I or my staff did. They just made a decision that they, they believed in each other and all the pettiness was right. less important than winning the championship. And when they made that decision, it was really no stopping them. Right, right. So it came from them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I mean, coaches are here because we have to keep some order, right. you know, but, it, but at the end of the day, you know, no matter what, drills you put in if your kids refuse to do them hard right. no matter what drills you put in if they refuse to buy in and believe that there's some relevance that's being transferred to five five and into the game then it doesn't matter how right. good your drills are right. you know and so they they have to believe and uh, again we were very fortunate that they made that decision right right for sure so let's switch gears here let's talk a little bit about um um let's talk about some parents some um some things for uh, younger athletes talk about uh, maybe like recruiting some grassroots stuff. Um, just want to know your thoughts. Um, you know, there's a lot of parents out here that's paying a ton of money, um, you know, and they're trying to, they're trying to, I, I would say some of this stuff, they're trying to pay for their kids uh, to get to certain spots instead of letting their kids earn it. Um, you know, you're with you being so strong in the, uh, you know, doing the stuff with the family, uh, you've done a lot of this grassroots stuff. Um, you know, what are your thoughts uh, and, and what are some advice that you would give to some of these parents that are coming up now that are, you know, trying to push their kids and maybe their kids are not working um, for it as hard as they should? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing that I feel like we have to do is acknowledge that it's completely different and that it's changed. Okay. Because I've got friends at 40 that mm. were on my 12 and under AAU team. Okay. Right. And it's because we played from 12 to 18 together. Right. And that was because, yeah, we were good, but there were really a lot of options. Right. Like it, everybody who was in the city played for the family. And right. then once we got good, people from the suburbs and maybe some surrounding cities and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and bordering states came. Right. So right. It, it's just not the same, which is right. why the family is no longer the same. Right. You know, it is because it has turned into shoes and gym bags right. and trainers and, right. you know, all these different things. And I'm not knocking it. Right. I, I, you know, I'm a true believer. Anybody that knows me knows that I don't really get into better or worse. I just right. say things are different. Right. So that they're just different now. And so you've got to these parents in my mind have to decide what it is that their kids need, because I tell you what my dad used to always tell me and he was you have to have different experiences. Right. So where I may have been the best player at Cathedral eventually, because mm -hmm. I wasn't when I first got there. Right. And so I had to learn these valuable lessons of waiting my turn, of cheering for other people, right. for being a good teammate before I became the quote unquote best player there. Right. Well, and then in the summer, I wasn't the best player either. See, right. we had this, this really good team Mm -hmm. And people may argue that maybe I was, but I don't think so. Right. 
Right. You know, I think sometimes people got to pick somebody, and I may have been it sometimes. But right. all of my teammates, Ronnie the Whitfield, Tammy Douglas, you know, Regin, right. uh, Portia, Denise McDonald, all these people were, were really good players in their own right. right. So my experience was very different than what these kids are getting now. So these parents have to make a decision about what do you want? If you have a high school coach that you feel like doesn't do a good job, maybe because they're just there for the stipend and they just kind of let the kids play and don't teach them a lot. Right. Well, then you need to go find a grassroots program right. that teaches. Right. And if you have a high school coach that's extremely structured where you feel like your kid might be pigeonholed just a little right. because, you know, it's about the team and winning and, and all that there's anything wrong with that, but then go get a grassroots experience that then is a lot freer. Right. That's not restricted. And right. so that's my long winded way of saying is that there is no one program for everybody. Right. It's just like anything else. So stop making decisions based off who charges you the most because that makes you feel like they must be the best. Right. Or, <laughs> or, right. or just picking the, the team because you feel like they have the highest profile and then your kid, is either miserable or doesn't play and doesn't develop and then you're upset and now it's everybody else's fault. Right. You know, so, you know, that, that to me is, is where I hear a lot of the issue being and the kids on my team, some of them play for, for well-known AAU programs and some of them not at all. Right. You know, and the reality is, is that if you're halfway decent at your job and my staff is great, uh, we find you. Right. <laughs> you right. don't, you don't have to, Right. Yeah, we, we find you. If you can play, you know, people will see you. Right. So. Right, um, one thing that I'm, I'm not here for, one thing I'm not about, I'm not about finger pointing, uh, blaming, blaming, uh, mm -hmm. you know, coaches. And, and uh, you know, one thing I always tell, you know, I do some training. I do a lot of stuff with teams. I do some scouting and stuff like that. One thing that um, I always try to encourage is not to go jump from team to team. Um, you know, if something if something's not going right, where summer, you know, AAU and summer basketball now, that's what it's about. I mean, if you don't like mm -hmm. something, you jump from here to even even if you're cool with your team, some people go play with other teams anyway. But I think um, sometimes that can that can hurt some kids because as soon as you have a problem, oh, well, let's leave. I, I I'm here at Wright State with uh with Coach Merriweather. I like her a lot. I come into practice. She jumps on me. <laughs> you know, I had an opportunity to go to Florida A&M. Well, you know what? I'm going to go sit out red shirt and go over to Florida A&M. I don't think that that is helping our kids. What is your thoughts on that, on, on parents kind of um, having that attitude that if they don't like something, oh, we could jump ship and we can leave? Well, I think some people know that my experience in coaching is I had a second chance. And okay. so I'm a big person on giving people – chances because okay. I do understand everybody's intent is not always malicious. Mm -hmm. And so when I see a parent that has taken their kids to multiple AAU programs, we do have a conversation because it does make you wonder, you know, were you just trying to find the best fit and you just got unlucky a couple of times and it, right. it didn't work out right. or did this coach just tell you the truth and you right. didn't like it. Right. And by truth, I mean their evaluation of your kid. And you, you didn't like it. And so now you have to go find someone that has an evaluation that you approve of. Right. Um, but I do think it's important to ask that question. So I'm not super judgy, you know, like that. But I do ask. And I do think that if you don't have a good 
enough answer that doesn't make me feel like every time you're unhappy, you just leave. Right. Then it absolutely impacts how I view recruiting you. Right. You know, because that is what, in essence, you're teaching you know, you're teaching your kid. Now, I don't think anybody should stay in and feel abused or misused or, right. you know, or anything like that. But I do think that there's some value in, in sitting there and sticking and fighting. Right. And we would love to see kids stay with, with programs longer because it does give you some satisfaction that you picked a kid that is going to go through the trenches with you too. Right. You know, uh, but that's, you know, I, I am. Um, sometimes in a minority in, in my thought process because right. we don't just recruit players just because they're good. Right. Uh, you have to, you have to fit here. You have to fit me. Uh, you, you have to fit the school. Like there's all these different components that go into it, but you got to have some fighting, man. And right. you just, you can't just pick up and move every time things get hard and you can't quit. And, right. and that just can't be a part of your personality if you're going to survive in a, in a program for four years. No, definitely, definitely. Hey, one thing I, I uh, so we had a conversation a little bit earlier. One thing that I loved, and I kind of just want you to touch on this. Um, we were talking about life skills, and it seems like you're not just you're not just a coach. And I and I'm not saying that every college coach out there is just a coach, but it just seems like um, I I know when I played college ball, or you know when kids played college ball, we didn't get some of the things. Um, that you talked about. You discussed a week, um, and if you can touch on that, I mean, you don't have to fully go on into it, but just okay. tell me, uh, you know, Monday through whatever day, what do you work on with your athletes? And, you know, my, my thing of it is right now is like, uh, if, if anybody's out here listening to it and you're, in, and you're a pretty good basketball player, um, this is a coach that's actually incorporating life skills uh, into the package of playing basketball is not just you come in there playing basketball at Wright State. She's you're actually invested in your kids. Tell me what that week looks like. Well, we start with Monday being Money Monday. Mm -hmm. um, these kids, and there's so much background in, into all of this that I know we don't have time to get into, but right. but they have these cost of attendance checks. They get this meal money. Uh, um, some of them receive financial aid. So some of our kids have upwards of over $20,000 in cash that hits their hands Wow! in a, in a school year. Right. And that amount of money is obscene for mm. a kid to manage. I don't care if they've got decent skills and their parents have taught them or whatever, they right. now are on their own and we're handing them this money. Right. And so we, we talk about budgeting. We talk about credit scores. Uh, we talk about priorities, uh, everything mm. that, that affects their money. On uh, Tuesday, we do Teammate Tuesday, where we get into um, just how to be a good teammate because there are times where you're going to be hurt. There are going to be times when, you know, it's just not your day. You start off 0 for 5. Well, nobody wants to see you pouting. Nobody right. wants to, to feel your negative energy. Nobody wants to see you sitting there with a towel over your head. Get your tail up and cheer for somebody. Right, right. You, you know, and, and it's the same off the floor, too. You know, my kids know that if somebody gets a flat tire, and they have to call me and they ask their team first and nobody went to get them. Oh, it's going to be a problem the next day. <laughs> For sure. You know, because they, they agree when they come here that we are to respect, love and take care of each other, period. Right. Um, so th that's a, a really big day because it just, it teaches you some selflessness. Whereas competitive right. as we are, we still are all on one team. Um, 
real life Wednesdays are, are, are things that they're like, are you kidding me? Like life insurance, car insurance, you know, right. what do you do when you get in a car accident? And, and the other person says, ah, just let me give you your information. Right. And, you know, I'll call you later, you know, right, <laughs> and, right. and all these fly. things. No, but that's, you know, I, it happened to me when I was young, you know, somebody hit me, I come back to my dad. I'm like, Hey, but he gave me his phone number. Well, of course you call the phone number and it's not a real number, right? right. you know, and, and it probably was the five, 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 right. That if right. you're just a little older, you know, is the universal fake number right. uh, in movies. But, <laughs> um, so we get into some of that stuff just to, you know, help them navigate. Um, Thursdays are, are funny because they're all social media and relationships and the way that some of our quiet kids come out and start talking Mm -hmm. during this time is, is amazing. And they just kind of get to the bottom of in a very safe and vulnerable space where they can just be themselves and know that they won't be judged. And, and, you know, we really propose some things like some case studies and say, what would you do? you know, and about dating, you know, each other's exes, you know, like that's a big one. They're like, what? No way. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, and so that part's always cool. And then faithful Fridays are are pretty simple where we just kind of send them something off, whether it be scripture or a motivational quote, um, just to carry them into the weekend. And and our big thing here, Harvey is life is going to get tough. Right. And there is no avoiding it, whether it's here or your someone in your family passes away while we're on the road. Right. And what do you have to lean on? That's not another person. And so right. we talk about faith a lot. And that's the, the one thing that's not going to fail you. That's always going to be there that you can depend on no matter what. You know, God always answers the phone, right. you know, and it just is you know, really big deal because of the things that these kids deal with, with their mental health and right you know, all this stuff, like they just have to have something to hold on to when stuff gets, gets tough. And, right. and so Friday is probably our most simple, but our biggest day. Wow. Wow. i tell you what, I mean, some people uh, apply for the job. I think you was built for the job. I mean, the, oh, the, the things you. that you're doing, uh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, off of the podcast, but the things that you're doing to um, nurture these kids. And I mean, is is different when you have coaches that are invested in you and that care for you. You know what I mean? It, it kind of seems like, um, you know, with sports now, it's about how can, how much can I win? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, everybody's just a number. You're number 34. And, you know, when you're not winning for me, then, you know, your value kind of goes down. I think that um, just some of these things that you're, that you're doing, I mean, is, is super commendable. And, you know, I, I stand by it. I mean, this is this is my coach. <laughs> you want a you want a women's basketball coach, or, or you want you want a team, <laughs> a college team you want to go to, and you can ball. You know, uh, look at Wright State. I mean, thank you. you know, she's, I appreciate she's that. Take care of you in and out, and, and and I can see it. I can see. You know, I could I, I could believe players probably call you, and you know, ask you for certain things because they probably feel like they had that relationship with you. They had that connection is not just basketball. So I want to thank you for coming on for sure. No, thank you for having me. It went by way too fast. I'll have to come back and we'll keep talking about some good stuff, but thank you for all you do for basketball and and incorporating girls and women's basketball in there too. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. I tell you what, uh, if we can, I know your season's coming up. Maybe, maybe when we get uh, past the season, maybe we'll do a coach's corner or something like that and talk about a couple of these things I'm getting on the internet with parents and stuff like that. How does that sound? Oh, I would love to. Anything we can do to to help as much as I would love to 
coach every kid out there. We can right. only have 15, but I would love to help in any way I can. Right, for sure, for sure. Well, hey, I, um, I want to thank you guys for listening today. Uh, this is Katrina Merriweather. If you have somebody that's uh, some girl that's possibly coming up, she's just learning the game. I mean, you could take a lot from this podcast. She didn't start playing basketball until she was about 10 or 11 years old. It's never too late. Um, and, and definitely, like I said, um, college-wise, um, if, you're, if you're looking to go to a school or you're looking, or you're looking for some type of guidance, um, this is a good podcast for you to listen to. So I would share this. Um, as always, uh, you can check our website, www.dreamchasersbball.com. A lot of different things up there. Social media, uh, Facebook, Dream Chasers Basketball Indie. Uh, also, Instagram, uh, Dream Chasers B-Ball. We put a lot of different things up, a lot of stuff for content. If you have any questions or you have something that you need, that you would like to get addressed, that we, you would like for us to talk about, uh, go ahead and send us a note. I want to thank you guys for listening, and uh, you guys take care.